Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Seventy-five American Express came up with a slogan advertising their traveler's checks. It was a tagline that became synonymous with American Express traveler's checks. The tagline was just simply this, don't leave home without them. And it was packaged and repackaged and many, many advertisements both on television, radio, magazines, and newspapers, and, and uh, every form uh, of advertisement, even though it was multiple venues, the bottom line was don't leave home without them. And there many times would picture people in peril that, uh, that had lost their cash or had things taken and stolen, but these traveler's checks and their insurance policies behind them would ensure that your travels were safe. That original campaign ran successfully, unbelievably, but it ran unsuccessfully for 25 years. The original campaign, later that same slogan, was revised exclusively, again, for American Express credit cards, and that revision just simply said, don't leave home without it. Don't leave home without it. The intentions were far more than just mere entertainment. There was an underlying message, and that is, that is this, that if you have an American Express card, A, you're going to stand out in the crowd because an American Express card, especially in those days, uh, you had to meet certain qualifications in order to just have one because it is just a charge card and it must be paid in full at the end of every month. If also, if you have an American Express card, you're going to have all you need. All that you need is in the palm of your hand. And, uh, and so today, I want to I preach on two things. Two things that I think are vital in our walk with God. And so, in order to kind of delve out and, and mine out those two things, I want to turn your attention to the book of Genesis chapter 12. And from Genesis 12... I want to go to verses 7 and 8 and uh, ask God to just touch our heart today. Genesis 12, 7, the Bible says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed, now he built an altar in verse 7, and he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built it and built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Amen. When he was in chapter 12, verse 7, 
Amen. He built an altar unto the Lord. He built an altar unto the Lord that appeared unto him. But he got up and he moved. And he went where God was sending him. And when he got where God, when he got to where God was sending him, he pitched his tent that frankly I believe was also there in verse 7. And he built yet another altar unto the Lord. And he called upon the name of the Lord. And with the help of God today, I want to preach to you about a tent and an altar. I want to preach to you about a tent and an altar. Wherever Abraham went in the land of Canaan, Abraham was marked by these two items. It was his tent and it was his altar. The tent marked him. I understand that Abraham would not have been the only person to own a tent. He wasn't the only man that had exclusive rights to the use of a tent. But Abraham's tent marked him because Abraham was a God-marked man. And so that tent marked him. It marked him as what the writer of Hebrews called him, a pilgrim and a stranger. That sojourning spirit. Amen. He did not belong to this world. Abraham, Abram was a man uh, not just a man on a mission, but Abraham was a man on a move. And so a home built of clay and brick and mortar, it just wouldn't fit the man, Abram, because God had called him to much more. The altar, the altar marked him as a citizen of, of heaven, and that was the place where he worshipped a true and living God. And you will find Abraham, if you could just somehow keep your finger on the timeline of Abraham, you will find him with these two faithful traveling companions. You'll find him with them in Genesis 13 and 3. You'll find him with them in Genesis 13 and 18. His tent gave a resounding witness that he was separated from this world. Amen. Perhaps the original man who inspired the words, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. His altar became an unquestionable mark of his personal devotion to the Lord. Wherever Abraham, when, whenever Abraham abandoned these two important parts of his life, whether it was his tent or the altar, he found himself in serious trouble. I will tell you today that life with God is a journey. It is a journey. We are on this journey. It's a journey that really should keep us moving forward. According to Solomon in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 18, the Bible says that the path that we take, amen, on this path that we walk, it should shine more and more unto a perfect day. Hallelujah. I'm glad to today to know that I'm walking on a path that shines more and more. Someone said it gets sweeter as the days go by. Amen. Sweeter gets the journey as we walk with the Lord because the light is shining more and more to that perfect day because a life of faith is not to be static when you read about Abraham's life he's not a man who's standing still, he's not a man who's parked somewhere, he's not a man who has, who has tethered himself to the cares of this life but when you read about Abraham's life you're going to read phrases like 12 and 4 he departed, 12 and 5 he went forth, you'll read 12 
12 and 6, he passed through. 12 and 8, he removed. 12 and 9, he journeyed. Amen, this is not a man standing still. This is a moving target because God has got a commission upon his life. A man on a mission. He had his march and orders. He had his tent and he had his altar. Abraham, of course, was sure to meet new challenges. And like all humanity, at the time of that challenge, he was going to have to trust God. But think Thankfully, Abraham knew what to do and he knew where to turn because he prayed and the Lord helped him. And I read to you in our text of just two occasions there that Abraham built an altar. Amen. And he called upon the name of the Lord. Abraham pitched his tent and then he built an altar again and he called on the name of the Lord. I just wondered, I, I was reading this uh, this week and I just began to sit back in my chair and close my eyes and think about this man taking up his tent, marching away, finding the next place, setting up his tent and building another altar. And ever how long he was there, he would then, then he would take up the tent and he would move again and he would go somewhere else and there he would build an altar again. And I just wondered if it would be possible to trace the, the journey of Abraham by the altars that he left behind. Amen. Those old ashen heaps of where he had prayed and blessed and sent up things to God. I wonder if it's possible today to somehow trace you and I by the altars that we've left behind in our life. Amen. A generation behind us that could come along and know their way to God because they could find the ash heaps of yesterday's altar to know there has been someone here that had a mission and a commission upon their life in Abraham's life. He learned how to go from faith to faith. Hebrews says that he went out not knowing whether he went. Abraham was a man who knew how to live and to go from faith to faith. That's what Paul said to the church in Rome. Amen. He understood well. Amen. He under he must have understood well, or, or, or perhaps David uh, understood well the life of others when he said that we would go from strength to strength. Amen. Sometimes I'm going to be honest with you and I know you could say the same back to me. I don't know exactly every decision to make for tomorrow. I don't know every decision if I could be transparently honest with you. I don't know every decision about this church's tomorrow standing right here today. Amen. I I can't look around the corner and say this is what we're going to be doing in seven days or seven months or seven years and I find myself having to wake up and go from faith to faith. Is it alright to say that? Amen. I wake up and say God I need you to strengthen me today. David said I'm going from strength to strength. I'm going from yesterday to today. We need that. Hallelujah. Despite the missing details of the past set before him, Abraham walked with absolute and unwavering faith. Abraham now, Genesis 12. Abraham now is where the Lord called him. Genesis 11. Amen. The, the call went to his father originally. They made it to Haran. They dwelt there. They stopped. Amen. That wasn't what God wanted them to do. So God spoke again. Amen. He spoke again and Abraham left his family and he walked away or left the bigger part of his family and walked away. And in Genesis 12, the Lord spoke to him. 
Amen. Now, Abraham is where, I want you to follow me now, Abraham is where God called him to be. And Abraham was doing what God called him to do. But this was not the end. This was just the beginning. Because you see, even sometimes when you are standing dead center of the will of God, you are still going to face tests and you are still going to be tried. Amen. God is going to try. That is how our faith goes in first Peter chapter 1 and verse 7 Simon Peter compared the the trials of life to the testing of gold in a furnace I talked a little bit about that Wednesday night amen perhaps I don't know but perhaps Simon Peter got that idea from the aged patriarch that we know as Job for it was he Job who said in Job 23 and 10 he knoweth the way that I take when he hath tried me I shall come forth as gold amen I'm going to tell you that even when you're in the will of God you can have days that you don't have an answer for questions even when you're in the will of God you can find yourself amen you can find yourself in the middle of a test God's purpose I believe in allowing us trials and tests is not only to prove our faith but it is to purify us it is to cleanse us I'm not trying to re-preach my message from Wednesday but I'm telling you that God will put us in the fire and he will purify the metals of our heart removing the dross of our flesh yes he will although there may be, may be many areas of life that we can be tried in there are just some areas of our life that I believe are very, very universal. I understand that we all run the race set is set before us. And sometimes people run a very unique race. But there are some overlapping situations that just seem so common to man. Amen. I feel sure we can relate to some of these. In Genesis 12 and 10, Abraham found himself just dealing with circumstances of life. Just circumstances. That's universal. You don't have to be rich to have circumstances you got to deal with. You don't have to be poor. You don't have to be anywhere in the middle. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be unknown. You just have to be alive. That's the only qualification. In leaving his family and, and traveling to an unknown land, this was a huge step of faith. And after he arrived, he saw God a second time. And he was reassured again of the promises in Genesis 12 and 7. And Abraham and Sarah, maybe in Genesis 12 and 7, maybe they expected to settle down. You know, maybe we can build a house. I don't know what Sarah's plans were long term. Maybe this is it. This is where we're going to be because God sent us here. Amen. But God had other plans. And before you know it, right in the will of God, they're in a famine. In the will of God. In a famine. God permitted that famine to come to the place that he had sent Abraham Kind of like that brook Cherith that he sent the prophet. And while the prophet was there being fed daily and watered daily by the, by the river's edge, amen, all of a sudden he wakes up one day and the brook is drying up. And now it's not a flowing stream, but it's just a trickle. And in time, it's just sandy banks. But you know what? He was exactly where God had put him. He was exactly where the Lord put him. And I'll just tell you about that story, that this beloved man of God stayed there, right there until he got a fresh word from God. Amen. Because when your brook dries up, 
will you hear me this morning? When, not if, when your book brook dries up, if you'll just stay put, amen, God has another word, another chapter. God has a plan. Hallelujah. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this today. Amen. The question is not whether or not we will face drying times or drying seasons, but the question is this, what will we do when the brook dries up? Amen. God was trying to teach Abraham a fundamental lesson. Amen. And that is this. I want to share it with you today. That tests always follow victories. Amen. Times of testing always follow victories. I'm not trying to paint your world gray, but I want to prepare you. Amen. The principle is so clearly illustrated in the history of Israel. Amen. They were given to us for in samples. They were given to us to say if it happened to them, it will happen to you. I saw people posting a pretty common thing in the last few days on Facebook. Uh, 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 just uh, some of the sayings or quotes. It was something like this. Don't ever think that it can't happen to you. Amen. That's where we ought to always remember. Don't ever think that we've got some kind of an exclusive card that is going to prevent something from showing up on our doorstep or something from happening in our lives. Don't ever think that it can't happen unto you. And so when we look in the children of Israel, no sooner had the nation been delivered divinely, highly delivered out of the nation, out of Egypt. Amen. The Egyptian army chased them to the corner of the Red Sea. Amen. The victory of coming out. I mean, they still got gold clinging. Amen. That they had been given on their way out. They've got garments packed up, but now they're faced, amen, with those same people chasing them, the same people that blessed them are now chasing them to the Red Sea because victory was followed by testing. And even though God brought them through the Red Sea and then drowned the enemy on the other side of that Red Sea, amen, then they came to hunger and then they came to thirst. Amen, after that was an attack here and an attack there because tests always follow victories. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to tell you today that we need the Spirit of the Lord to hold us and keep us. I'm going to refer to it again, but Wednesday night I was talking about that even place. Amen. That place with a firm foundation and a firm footing. We need to let God hold us in those times of victory and times of testing because one of the enemies of our faith is the spirit and attitude of pride. You win a victory, if you're not careful, you can get overconfident. Woo. Amen. Have a little powerful testimony. Don't go buy an RV yet. Amen. Don't buy a tent yet. Just hang on. Just hang on because there's a test that can come. Don't get too overconfident. Don't feel like you can just beat any enemy at any time. Amen. You start depending on our past experiences then when we get filled with pride. We start, well, you know, I've done it before. I've been here before. I got this. I can handle this. Amen. But I'm going to tell you every now and then there's just a challenging situation that makes all of us back up and scratch our head and say, man, I don't know what to do about this. Amen. That's when we say, Lord, I need you. I need you, I need you. That's why Paul was so quickly to sound a warning in 1 Corinthians 10 and 12 when he said, therefore to him who thinks he stands, you need to take heed, you need to watch out, you need to be careful, amen, lest you fall. Amen, Lift. hear me today. Don't let our successes get us so lifted up that we do not think there's a failure in our future. 
God did not want Abraham to become so proud and self-confident. So he put his faith in a furnace to test it, to see what it was made of. Circumstances often keep us relying on the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Keeps us on the word. However, the greatest can choose the wrong path. The greatest can make the wrong decision. The greatest can turn left when we should have turned right. And here is Abraham, a man with a divine call none of us would deny. Instead of remaining in the land where God had sent him and said, if God put me here, then God can keep me here. If God put me here, he can sustain me here. If God is the one that sent me here, he is the keeper of me right here. But instead of remaining there, the Bible says in Genesis 12 and 7, amen, the Bible clearly says this, that Abraham went down. Can you say that? He went down. He went down into Egypt. He went down into Egypt. Amen. The Bible talks about people going to Jerusalem. And the scripture always says, and they went up. And they went up to Jerusalem. But when they went to Egypt, they always went down. Spiritually speaking, when you talk about going to Egypt, it is all, Egypt has always been likened with the world or with sin. Amen. Spiritually speaking, going down to Egypt means we're doubting God's promises. And I'm going to the world. I'm going to the flesh. I'm going to what I know to do for help. And when circumstances become difficult, when we're in the furnace of testing and trying the key is to remain hear me today the key is to remain where you are where God has placed you until he tells you the next move if you've been around very long you have heard me say this publicly and privately I may have held your hand and looked in the wide of your eyes and said this when you don't know what to do amen I'm not telling you this I'm not just telling you this and going about my own business but I've lived this again in practice over and over and over and my wife is a witness to this. When you don't know what to do, don't do anything until you have clear direction from the Lord. Amen. When you don't know where to turn, when you don't know where to go, don't make it up. Amen. Don't do your own thing. Don't trust your own wit. Don't trust your own wisdom. Don't trust your own past. Amen. One writer said, one writer said, in times of testing, he said the, he said, the important question is not how can I get out of this? The important question is, what can I get out of this? Amen, not how can I get out of this mess? I need to say, God, help me to figure out what I can get out of this mess. What can I learn here? What can I take away from this? What can I glean? What can I take and put it in in my heart and hide it and never let it go? Because hear me today, you're safer in a famine in the will of God than you would be in a palace if you're out of the will of God. Amen, you are safe safer in the lowest valley in his will. You are safer in the lion's den. You're safer in the furnace in his will than you are in a palace if you're out of his will. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I want to be in his will. Abraham failed the test of circumstances and he turned from the will of God when he went down to Egypt. Amen. Another thing that we often face in life that just seems to overlap. Amen. We all have circumstances we got to deal with. We got to figure out how. Sometimes they're common and sometimes they're not so common. But another thing that we have to learn how to deal with in our life is people.
you know, if you could just get rid of all the people on your job that bug you, wouldn't that be just, it'd be just a marvelous place to work, wouldn't it? Not practical, but it'd be a marvelous place to work. If you get rid of everybody in your neighborhood, plays their music too loud and revs up their engines too much, and you know, all this kind of stuff. If you could just push all those people away. You see, once in Egypt, Abraham faced a whole new set of problems. Because here's what you can always count on. When you run from one test, you'll run into the next one. When you run from the arms of one, you'll run into the arms of the next one. In Canaan, all Abraham had to deal with, uh, follow me now, don't, don't, don't lose me. In Canaan, all Abraham had to deal with was a famine. But when he arrived in Egypt, he had to get along with a proud Pharaoh and all of his officers. And a different culture and way of life and, and thinking. And here's just one man addicted and intoxicated on his own power. A man that just like at an auction with the wiggle of one finger and your life is gone. And Abraham got down here in this different culture and these different people and, and he realized what was going on. And, and, and he realizes, man, I, I get down here and somebody's going to want my wife. And, and, and the man, if they want my wife, I mean, it's just a twitch of the nose. And I mean, they're going to just hang me. They'll, I'll just be gone. I'll, I'll be, nobody knows I'm here anyway. And I mean, I'm just going to be out of this. And so he comes up with this plan. Don't tell them you're my wife. So here is a man with a divine call on his life that is lying and scheming and cheating. And he draws his wife into this I don't see the altar I don't, I don't hear anything about the tent somehow when he stepped out of chapter 12 and he crossed the threshold of chapter 13 when he stepped out of Canaan into Egypt he left two vital things behind he didn't pray what should I do about this Lord but he with his own wit and wisdom said, I know, let's tell them you're this and this will preserve my life. And in fact, he almost lost his life and then Pharaoh scolded him and said, why in the world have you lied to me? A man of God, how embarrassing that would be. Can you imagine, amen, can you imagine if you have some titled position in the church and, and you're arrested for shoplifting? I mean, that'd be bad enough anybody, but I mean, just... You, what are you doing? What are you doing, Abraham? Do you know how close you came to being snuffed out? When you stopped trusting the Lord and His Word, it was that little white lie that He thought He would save him, but after a while it turned to be the shame and the embarrassment of that. Please stay connected to me. Amen. I'm going to tell you that a husband out of the will of God, here's a husband out of the will of God, can bring untold trouble to his wife and family. Amen. Here he stopped. He left that tent. He left that altar. It, somehow or another, though, somehow or another, that wasn't important. We left that off the list. We left that at home. I'm in a strange place, and he and 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 I, I want you to really listen here, if you will. Abraham, Abraham was experiencing this change. He went from being a blessing until to bringing judgment. 
Because Abraham, the Lord told Abraham, I'm not just trying, trying to preach to you guys, just kind of convenient to turn there, but, but Abraham was told by the Lord that you would bless nations. Am I right? Am I in the book? You will bless nations. And now, instead of blessing a nation, amen, Abraham's presence there is cursing a nation. It's bringing judgment upon a nation. Amen. If you want to bless others, we got to stay in the will of God. That kind of sounds like Jonah, doesn't it? He got out of the will of God. He was supposed to go to one city and bless them, and now he's on a ship, and he's cursed. Instead of cursing, blessing people, he's on a ship, and those people are about to go under. Amen. In like fashion, Abraham lost his testimony before these unbelievers, and he had to face the embarrassment and the rebuke of a Pharaoh. I mean like the sinner of sinners. Why'd you lie? The sinner of sinners. Amen. The sinner of sinners. When we don't obey God's rule, when we don't walk in the path of God, we will never accomplish his purposes. But thank God, Genesis 13 and 1. Amen. Genesis 13 and 1. Abraham learned his lesson and the Bible says he went up out of Egypt earlier he went down into Egypt but now he's coming up out of Egypt and in chapter 13 and verse 4 the Bible says he went into the place of the altar which he had made there at the first and there Abraham or Abram called on the name of the Lord he reconnected himself with the altar and that, that, that altar that he had come to know that place that had become a connection with God amen perhaps 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 amen this is what Naaman the leper understood when he made that final request when he made that final request before walking out of the presence of Elijah when he said please take these gifts and Elijah and his servant said we'll have nothing to do with your gifts and so name and name and the leper he said well if you won't let me leave anything with you if you'll just please let me take something with me amen my get my request he said I pray that you will give this servant two mule burdens of earth amen just give me two mule burdens of earth amen I don't know what they had to do I'm telling you because this prophet and his servant wouldn't take the gifts that he brought the wagons were loaded maybe they had to rearrange things scoot some things out of the way move those gold that gold move those garments amen make some room for a little bit of dirt here on the back of that cart when he passed amen somebody thought what in the world is this man doing carrying dirt amen I'm going to tell you to some unsuspecting soul that's all it was but to Naaman he said this material is going to be used when I get back to the house of Ramah and when I'm in a dark place when I'm in a place of pagan worship when I'm in a place where somebody's praying to a false god I'm going to use this and I'm going to build me an altar and I'm going to stand on this altar I'm going to have a connection between me and God I'm talking to you today about a tent and about an altar don't leave home without them amen don't leave home without them I don't want to get up and go to work without my tent it reminds me this world is not my home I don't want to get up and go anywhere without my tent to remind me that I am not in this world to stay I don't want to leave my altar at home. I may need him at noon. I may need him at two o'clock. I've got to have my tent. I have got to have my altar. Oh, let's magnify. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah.
praise God. Let's stand. Let's stand. Praise God. Musicians, come if you will. Oh, God's not through here this morning. Don't, don't think he is. God's not through here this morning. I want to tell you that to the casual observer of the episode of Abraham and Sarah and their exodus journey to Egypt. You know, some, if you don't know the whole story, some could say, well, you know, he left Egypt better than he went to Egypt. And you would be 100% right. Because he did leave with more than he went with. But in the big scenario, so wrong. But Pharaoh did give Abraham a lot of things. And he was a wealth, much more wealthy man when he left Egypt than he was when he got there. Sarah Sarah was better off. She had a handmaid. She didn't have a handmaid when she went to Egypt. She had one when she left. Her name was Hagar. Back at that altar, Genesis 13 and 1, when he went up out of Egypt, he went back to that place where God had met him before. And there at that old burned ash pile, God forgave him of his sin. So what could be wrong? What could be wrong with this scenario? This man's got wealth. She's got an executive assistant. And God has forgiven him. But I want to tell you what's wrong. Because they came out of Egypt wealthy, the prosperity of Abraham and Lot caused their men to go to battle and war with one another. To the point, somebody said, hey, we gotta, we got to get a little distance here. It wasn't the poverty that brought problems. They had so much cattle and they were so blessed. Everything was so wonderful. Until people that were together were now separated. That was born in Egypt. Hagar, the Egyptian maidservant. If you know anything about the story of Hagar, you know that later she brought division and sorrow into that home. And one day Sarah come in and slammed the tent flap shut and said, not, 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 not another minute. Something's got to happen today, Abraham. Today. I've been talking about it, but today I saw him mocking our promised child. Not another sunset. And division of division that we are frankly dealing with as I speak. What could possibly be wrong? He just... Went down to Egypt. What's wrong? And I'll tell you that sadly, while in Egypt, 
It appears that the wealth and the prosperity and the fancy lifestyle had a powerful impact on Lot. And it led to the downfall of his family because he left his tent and he built a home in Sodom and Gomorrah. And it cost him everything. The 17th century Puritan preacher Thomas Fuller said that all mankind is, is divided or could be divided into three classes. His words, the intenders, the endeavorers, and the performers. Abraham's father, Terah, he said he was a, an intender. He intended to go where God sent him, but he got halfway and stopped for the pokies. Was this good enough? He intended and then there were the endeavorers. Lot, he was an endeavorer up to a point. He got there to a point, but he failed miserably because he didn't know how to walk by faith and not by sight. He looked to the well-watered plains. Amen. And then there are the performers. That's Abraham and Sarah because they trusted God to perform what he had promised. They committed their lives and their future to him and him alone. They obeyed what he commanded, and in the end, they got what he promised. And so I will tell you today that the practical lesson that I have wanted to share with you, I believe God wanted to share with you. I'm not ashamed to say that. On this first Sunday of this new year, is never forget that tent and never forget that altar. That tent reminds me that I'm a pilgrim, and this world is not my home. And I'm just passing through. And if I don't get it all here, I've got it all waiting on me there. <laughs> and that altar, that altar, that altar. Don't forget to know how and learn how to build an altar. To build an altar. You see, there's a, there's a common thought sometimes in the heart, and especially of heart, hearts of young people and young converts, that... That church is where it takes place. Sister Pope, we got this is the altar. And if we need something from God, we got to come here to get it from God. But I'm thankful for, for, for people who taught me standing in a hospital room praying for someone that said, let's join hands and pray. Uh, not... Oh, dear Heavenly Father, some flowing, powerful, I mean, flowery prayer. Brother, brother, brother Gibson, I will never forget going with Brother Shorty Mayo to the home of a dying man, Brother Ford, in his church, bloated, his body so grotesquely bloated, laying on the couch. It was just the... I was really young in the Lord, really young, and really young in the Lord. And I'd, I'd, I'm just being frank with you. I'd never been in a situation. I'd never been in a situation like that. He told me we're, we're going to pray for a man in a church. He's terminally ill. But my Lord, I couldn't wrap my mind around where we were going. We walked into his home and in his living room on the couch, there lay a man Oh my God, almost the smell of death in the home. I'm not being, 
I'm not exaggerating for the sake of an illustration. I wasn't prepared for that, Brother Riley. I wasn't prepared for that. I watched that pastor shepherd kneel down. Brother Mayo, you remember, just had a voice that just pierced the sky, just a powerful voice. He knelt down beside him, brushing his hair back and saying some very kind things to him and encouraging things to him. He was just being a shepherd, Brother Williams, just a shepherd, just trying to bring comfort and hope to hurting people. I was standing there. I felt like a fifth wheel. I felt like a third, a thumb. I didn't know why. I didn't know what to do. In a moment, he turned around and said, Brother Boyd, come down, join with me. We're going to pray for Brother Ford today. I was so taken by the situation, so caught off guard by the circumstances. I didn't really know what to do but just obey. I just stepped over there timidly and I just stepped over there and kneeled down beside me, kneeled down beside me. We knelt down beside the couch. My God, I wasn't prepared for the altar that man was fixing to build. I, I I didn't see all the earth. I didn't see that mule's burden of earth. I'm going to tell you that we prayed like we were at General Conference. We prayed though we were overseas at some mass crusade. He prayed and the power of God filled that home and that room. And I was a young man, but I was learning a powerful lesson. Take your altar with you. He didn't go there and say, Brother Ford, we came by to encourage you today. And you know what? Wednesday night, we're going to pray for you. Somebody's going to turn in a prayer request card. We're going, to, we're going to zing your name up on the screen. No, 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 no. That altar walked in with us. We're going to pray and we're going to talk to God. We're going to pray and talk to God. And it was lessons like that that gave me the courage when I was sitting in a restaurant with a friend of mine and our waitress who was so kind, so kind. But after a while, she walked up to the table and she said, you are preachers, aren't you? Yes, ma'am, I thought so. In her little ticket book, she pulled out of her out of her apron she pulled her ticket book out and in the in the front cover was a picture of her daughter that had a terminal disease and she said would you would you pray for her she meant sister Rayleigh would, would you put your you know would you put her on your prayer list would you would you call somebody and would you pray for her and i said yes ma'am we will and i just reached back And I got a little bit of Brother Mayo. Hallelujah. And I said, ma'am, let's join hands right here. And we're going to pray. You know why? Because that woman didn't need us to pray Sunday. She didn't need us to pray Wednesday. She didn't need me to call and call my pastor. She didn't need me. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost settling in this house. She needed prayer now. My daughter is not dying in the future my daughter is dying now if you are men of God can you pray yes we can pray yes we can pray because we didn't just bring our tent 
with us today. We brought our altar. My God, I feel like we need to respond to what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. Can I beg you today? Don't ask you. Don't make God beg you. Don't make God prompt you this morning. Don't make God, don't make God prompt you today. Oh Lord, don't leave home without them. Don't leave home without them. You may meet them today. You may meet them in the shopping center today. You may meet them in the grocery store today. You may meet them on your job tomorrow. Oh church, oh church, oh church, won't you go back and get that tent and this world is not my home. I'm just past through. Go back and get that tent that reminds me if I don't have it here I'll get it there. Oh God touch us. Oh God touch us. Oh God go back and get the altar. Go back and get the altar. Go back and get the altar. Don't leave home without it. Don't leave home without them. (laughs) Don't leave home without them. Oh, Lamb of God, Lamb of God, Lamb of God, speak. Word of God, speak. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.